0: Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing Podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm one of the co-hosts, Gianna Whitfer. And with me, Maria Velasquez here. And today we have an awesome guest. Scott Shapiro is joining us from Washington State. He is the Global Head of Product Marketing at Secure Code Warrior. Thank you for being here, Scott.
1: Yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to uh, join you on the podcast today. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, and we are so excited to talk to you because you are going to be talking about the penultimate mystery of... Cybersecurity, which is product marketing. And, you know, I say that as a joke, but also with a bit of seriousness because everybody's looking for product marketers in security. If you check the jobs channel on our Slack, our Slack community, Cybersecurity Marketing Society Slack community, you will see that even now, and it's been sustained for like a year, product marketing is hot and is one of the most sought after jobs in security.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely a great point, and it's a very funny reflection, I actually think, of the security industry itself and part of the work we do at Secure Code Warrior. Everywhere you look, there's more and more security vulnerabilities potentially happening, unfortunately. We're also, of course, hardworking at that, but more people are becoming developers, more products, more businesses are truly going through this digital transformation. You know, that's a phrase we've been hearing about for maybe over a decade already, But the reality is we need to get more expertise in it as a broader industry, a broader community. And if you kind of look at that overlap of there are so few developers that are actually fully confident and competent in coding and security at large, and then you take this special layer of product marketing, which is somewhat of a nascent or even ambiguous marketing role itself, and you bring it together, and all of a sudden you've got to have a pretty creative mindset to say, how am I going to find or develop new talent in this space for product marketing specifically in the security community.
0: That's a great point. Actually, can you talk to us because how did you get here? Because you didn't come from product marketing in security before this role. So tell us your story, Scott.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I joined Microsoft as my first job out of college. I'm a proud University of Michigan alum. So go blue for anyone else out there listening today. And I joined in the office team in particular. I was actually a growth marketer at first, so kind of your traditional outbound email marketing type space. And this was a really exciting time for Microsoft in the early 2010s. There was a transition to Office as a subscription model. So all of a sudden you have this product that people used to say to themselves, I didn't even know I paid for it. I thought it just came with my computer to saying on the consumer side, you know, can we earn your attention, earn your subscription every month or once a year? Or in the business side, right? These bigger contracts, of course, for so much money, how do you drive actual value? So that they see that value, not just saying, I thought I already paid for this once, why do it again? In that space, I found myself falling in love with the notion of how do you actually tell the story and get the feedback loop going from customers themselves who often are telling you what solutions do they want to focus on? What problems are they having? And ultimately, as that value is created, how do you bring it back to market in partnership with the product team and a broader marketing organization? So I love this idea of swimming upstream, and I moved over to the product marketing side of the house at Microsoft, where I focused on things like leading the OneNote product marketing space, Word, PowerPoint, accessibility, and artificial intelligence. Of course, at a company like Microsoft, I was a not a one-man band, as they say, but I was a part of a huge collaborative effort. And I love that space. I then actually went over to Qualtrics, which is focused on experience management. So in short, it's all about do you understand what your customers what your employees and what your products expectations are compared to reality are you meeting it or are you exceeding it and how can you create this notion of sentiment around feedback not just tactical practical feedback of what we'd call operations you know the the facts of the case compared to the the why and the sentiment and then ultimately i came to secure code warrior i'll let you in on a bit of a behind the scenes story real quickly here as i like to say i was a bit of a I was a bit of a nervous uh, groom-to-be. My wife and I got married about a year ago, and the day before our wedding, I said to myself, well, what should I do with my Friday morning? And I actually had an outreach from a person to interview, (laughs) to be a director of product marketing at their company. And while that company interview didn't quite work out, it wasn't what interested me the most, this woman who I met went all the way over to Secure Code Warrior, and about seven months later, she messaged me and said, we had such a great first conversation let's talk again. I've got something really exciting. I'm the new chief marketing officer of, I want to talk about being the head of product marketing. And so I actually went into the security space with very little knowledge. I feel fortunate to have stumbled upon it. And I really took the old adage of, you know, bet on a company's values and bet on a manager when you're looking for a new space in order to start the conversation. But then ultimately, as I learned more about this company and the space, I realized just how important security is. Again, if you think back to everything is this digital transformation, whether it is the app on your phone all the way to like Colgate these days, right? Like they're focused on a transformation as well, even as a consumer product goods. And I just saw the value and the excitement around security in general. So I would say I took a meandering path. It was not intentional, but I'm so glad to be a part of this because it lives up to my values and my missions too, of wanting to help the world do better through technology and close equity gaps here in particular.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Before I ask you more about product marketing, I want to learn more about this Colgate digital transformation because I'm not really keeping up with the toothpaste industry. (laughs) But what do you mean by that? I'd be curious.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually just sat down with the chief information security officer of Colgate-Palmolive a couple of weeks ago. Just a little name drop there for one of the great Ooh. companies and, and customers working with Secure Code Warrior, I will say, as a marketer, I had to take that opportunity for a plug, even if it was an accident. But essentially, Colgate Palm Olive is a consumer product group. And day to day, right, you think about like you said, I get my toothpaste at a Walgreens or something. What do you mean there's a digital transformation? But you know, you probably do a lot of your shopping right now online, right? When you go to a website or you check out on an app that's part of the digital transformation. So all of a sudden, what used to be this interaction of maybe I went to Walgreens, I picked up the Colgate toothpaste, whatever it might be, the hand soap, that was a pretty physical in-person interaction. But if you're purchasing online, all of a sudden, you probably, whether you realize it or not, you're going to have an online account, right? You might pay with a credit card you choose to save. And there are all of these choices that you don't even realize in you know the 2020s, that's digital. Like we take the internet so for granted. But now Colgate Palmolive has to keep building upon their earlier iterations of their security program to say, just as one example, you know, how will we keep your user accounts secure if you purchase with us online? And you can kind of extrapolate that out to just about any good these days that goes out to consumers and, of course, to the B2B side of the house as well.
0: Exciting. So that's amazing. You have Palmolive Colgate as a customer. What does Secure Code Warrior do, Scott? Can you just tell us briefly, like, what you all do, and what stage the company is at?
1: So our company, Secure Code Warrior, we're really focusing on how do you help to upskill developers specifically in the security space? So I'm going to break a rule for a second. You can't define a word with a word, but we kind of have to for a second. So our company of Secure Code Warrior, we focus on helping developers code more securely. A lot of the research we've actually found from talking to developers and the security community at large, we've seen that a significant portion, as high as about 75%, depending on how you count it, 75% of developers will actually admit they ship code with known vulnerabilities built in. There's a few reasons for that, that we try to address as a community and through Secure Code Warriors actions. Number one is all about culture. It's really this notion of What are my deadlines? Is my team prioritizing security? Or is it an add-on at the very end? And is it kind of a trade-off between the feature I need to ship, the goal I want to accomplish, and security and compliance? The other really big portion, unfortunately, is that developers just aren't educated necessarily on these spaces. But it's not for lack of wanting to be educated. In that same survey and the tons of customers I talk to and our company at large interacts with, We know that people are asking for more hands-on training, more exciting enablement, so that they can go from this environment of easy and engaging practice to actually playing, if you will, or shipping code, checking it in with the ability to have mitigated the risk of these vulnerabilities. So to kind of recap all that and to put it into play of what does Secure Code Warrior do in addition to why do we do it? We're really focused on highly gamified and engaging education so that developers and app security managers and the CISOs at large are able to reduce vulnerabilities, mitigate rework, and ultimately ship a better, more secure product through supreme education and deep integrations into tools like GitLab, GitHub, and Atlassian so that you can both practice in the parking lot, so to speak, but then when you hit the road, you can feel just as confident that you're going to be mitigating those risks and shipping the most secure code you can.
0: Wow, Scott, that was a great explanation. I know you said you're like new to security, but damn, you have the, (laughs) you know, the pitch down. I understand completely what Secure Code Warrior does. That's neat.
1: Oh, thank you. And yeah, just a quick touch on where we are as a company. Very proud to say we are a fully global first company. We were co-founded in Belgium and Australia. And then we've made the decision a few years ago to say we are 100% global. There's offices if you want them, but we are remote first, which is really cool. And we've got about 400 plus customers, many thousands of developers with us today that we're really excited to be working with and honored to have the opportunity to help them grow their security posture and program.
0: What funding stage were you guys at?
1: We were series B in 2019, and we're excited to keep on building today. Uh, We like to say we've moved from startup to scale up. So as a marketer, for me, that really means we're getting out of this whack-a-mole any activity that you can think of approach to saying it has to have deep impact and we've got to be able to build upon the success of earlier iterations. So we are a scale up in a kind of a late series B stage.
0: Cool. And then the last question I'll ask about team formation is, so what does the marketing team look like? And what does the product marketing team look like?
1: So our marketing organization, we are extremely fortunate. We're led by an awesome chief marketing officer, Juni Dinda. She's a former vice president of marketing at Lassian. So she's got some really deep roots in the developer community that leads things for us. And then of course, we've got a stable of great people across the org here. I of course run product marketing as we touched upon, I'll come back in a second, but We've got our growth and performance marketing team focused on outbound campaigns, metrics reporting, all that good stuff. We've got our events team, which these days is a lot of digital events, right? In partnership with some in-person conferences, things of that nature to really build those one-to-one interactions and then one-to-many interactions. And then finally, of course, there is a comps team, right? So PR, analyst relations, things of that nature as well being developed. And here on the product marketing team, Very fortunate to lead a great group of four folks globally. We're right now in Washington, New Mexico, and Sydney, Australia. So that brings a lot of excitement, diversity of point of view, as well as fun, but challenges sometimes with the structure. And when it comes to product marketing for a company at this stage, I'm a huge believer in you want to try to create a generalist mindset. Everyone has to be comfortable with moving in and out of the different pieces of what traditionally product marketing is, which I'm sure we'll go into it in more depth, but when it comes to that, I always say you get a center of gravity. You might say, quote unquote, I own the integration strategy, but there's a lot of other pieces you got to flex into as well. But we try to create that right partnership to reflect what the customer expects their mindset to be on, the use cases they care about. And we, of course, want to mirror the product side of the house so that we can create really strong relationship together and build those use cases out in a way that make sense to the customer, not just to us internally in our silos.
0: What is product marketing? Can you define it? Tell us what you think product marketing is. I love to ask this question.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question because I think we all answer it differently. And we're all sort of trained to say we know how to tell stories and how to define things. So my take on product marketing is all about we have to create value and opportunity as we bring products to market that meet our customers' and prospects' needs. So really simply, all we're trying to do, it's complex to actually do it, but it's simple to say our goals. We are trying to tell the story of what type of value drivers we can create and what problems can we solve through the mind's eye of whatever persona you're focused on, whatever industry you're focused on and things of that nature
0: beautiful. And for someone who's newer cuz again, you're newer, right? How many months or years have you been in security now?
1: I've been in security for about 4 months. I've been in the tech industry for about a decade.
0: Right. So security is a little bit of a different beast in terms of understanding like the values and of course all all marketing goes down to the basics of like answering a problem that your customers have so that they buy your solution and continuously whatever, delighting them and making sure that you're actually solving problems. But like for someone who's so new to security, there's so much jargon, there's so much, I want to say kerfluffle, but that's not the right word, but it sounds right. There's so much like learning. It took me like over a year to feel even remotely comfortable in in cyber. How are you accelerating your learning in cyber so that you could feel comfortable as a product marketer, especially since now you're running product marketing for a security company? It's not entirely different from tech, it's a subset of tech cyber is but it's certainly different enough that we have a need for our own cybersecurity marketing focused podcast.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. It is a new industry. It's a new space. Like you said, I had passing familiarity. You know, I've worked with the IT audience. I've been in B2B tech, B2C tech, et cetera, but I really didn't know, you know, left from right on some level, other than the classic, we're trying to shift left. So when we talk (laughs) about shifting left compared to these other phrases out there, it was all of a sudden oh, I can't just pretend. <laughs> I have to start getting into more of the depth here. So the way I've approached it so far, and I've been helping my team to grow here, is really, first and foremost, I like to start with character traits, and it's all about be humble and be curious and be hungry. So being humble is critical. No matter what level you were at in your career, what year your career, whatever it might be, it's really about just saying, I do not know certain things, and that is okay. Or as you do start to know some things and learn things, can you be humble about sharing and coaching the idea really for me and try to push onto my team is saying, we shouldn't all have to go learn the same thing independently as each of us learn a piece. How can we create more space to educate each other and encourage each other, right? With psychological safety and trust, which are so important to say, I don't understand, or can you walk me through it? You know, just the other day, I was in a conversation with one of our sales engineers, as we were doing a deep dive into the product and, she kept referencing offensive versions of our product versus defensive. And it took me a second, but I finally realized, like, I don't exactly know what she's referring to. Even though I am you know, a leader of the product marketing team, I had to set the example for my team who was all on the call too, and even newer than I am to the space for the most part, and for my own benefit. And I had to just sort of swallow some pride and say, I'm not going to Google this one, I'm going to ask. Because just like when you're in school as a student, if you have a question, someone else does. So I stopped and I said, hold on, what is this offensive defensive thing? And we walked through it. And all of a sudden, I now understood our own product better. And I understood the space at large better. And I could start connecting these different dots and working with my team to say, okay, that messaging framework we started working on last week, I think we've got a new insight here because we had the framing a little bit backwards because we hadn't learned those words yet. So it's with that humbleness, right? Of you don't know what you don't know. Don't be scared to ask. And then curiosity, of course, is kind of the other side of this coin. You have to, as an individual, and I try to do this myself all the time, is just say, I want to learn consistently. And that's what I try to do. I was at Microsoft at the start of my career as uh, Satya Nadella took over. And one of the huge things he did at Microsoft was institute this growth mindset culture. And just like digital transformation, fine, it's a little bit of a cliche, but cliches don't mean they're wrong at this point. And what I love that Satya used to say, and I try to bring this to my team all the way in my very first onboarding document with each hire is all about saying, you don't want to be a know-it-all. You want to be a learn-it-all. And that's that mindset of curiosity in just about every setting. If it's a smaller group, ask the question. If it's a bigger group, maybe write your notes and check in with your team later. And Those have been two of the real characteristics I want to embody.
0: That's really cool. What are some practical ways to do that?
1: In some more practical terms, network. You know, I found out about this awesome community here for cybersecurity marketers, and I immediately dove in. You know, I'm on the Slack channels, I'm kind of lurking and reading. So find your community through LinkedIn, hacker news, like whatever's the thing that feels relevant, go for it and see if you can have conversations live. Dive into podcasts like this and listen to them, see what you can do, and then just start reading. Read, read, read. Dedicate time on your calendar. Don't let your calendar own you. Do your best to preset some of these blocks, right? Of, I want to read that interesting blog I subscribe to. I want to follow new people on Twitter. Or I want to, you know, read a book, a very popular one in kind of the DevOps security space of the Phoenix Project is one I've been slowly making my way through in particular here. So I'd say in summary, be humble, be curious, and just seek out the information and be conscious that you are taking on a hard task, and you will not suddenly be an expert in one week or two weeks, but you're going to keep finding these nuggets. So don't be afraid to raise your hand, ask questions. And then once you start having some knowledge, I encourage you absolutely to share that with your peers, with your boss, whomever it might be, because they're going to benefit from this news too, and this information that you can share, and it'll help your career. If you go from this point of opportunity or a weakness to saying, wow, I can't believe how fast you onboarded. And you're a person that is a helper on the team and a mentor informally.
0: And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon are available to look at, listen to and sponsor at hackervalley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, Hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. Amazing. And thank you also for the plug, so I didn't have to plug, (laughs) of the Cybersecurity Marketing Society's community. So anyone who's interested in joining, who's an in-house cybersecurity marketer, feel free to join us at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. It is a long URL, but it's self-descriptive at least. So I love what you said about being eternally curious. I mean, I think that is probably like the heart along with being humble because you can't be like forever learning but be like a jerk about it because that would make for a bad team. How are you dividing up these projects among your product marketing team because previously you said it's a not a waste of time but, you know, inefficient to have someone learn the same thing as someone else on your team. How are you sort of like dividing and conquering among your team?
1: Right now the way I approach it, I'm a big believer that product marketers, especially at earlier stage companies, You've got to be pretty comfortable with this idea of being a full stack marketer. So when we talk about product marketing, just for anyone kind of at home, that's not as familiar, we've got the word product, we've got the word marketing, right? So you've got at the very least two halves to our job you can lean into. Some people are bigger on the product side. You might call that inbound product marketers, deep partnership with product management, all about features and value props of that nature other side sometimes is, quote, marketing or the outbound product marketing style, who focuses a lot more on creating the outbound campaigns, partnering with your email marketers, your website team, social media, whatever the case might be. And this is very common at earlier stage companies. And then it starts to split out depending on how your company is set up. But at an earlier stage company like us at Secure Code Warrior, we have to really be comfortable touching both sides of the house. And then the final one that I didn't really reference, but it's the field, your sales and CS, customer success organization. So you've got to kind of lean amongst these three spots. You've got your product side, your marketing side, and then your deep enablement and collaboration with sales and CS. So we as a earlier stage company focus on everyone has to be able to handle all three of those buckets I just referenced, but the part that they will own, that's where you get some of your center of gravity here in particular. So for one person on my team, as an example, she is our leader for customer growth and engagement. So she is focused deeply on everything from trial to then customer expansion strategies. And what you'll notice there, or you might pick on fast, is like, well, that doesn't really sound like a product. But like, what do you mean you're focused on engagement? Okay, well, as a product marketer and a lot of other marketers, you have to start thinking about... Well, what's the golden path you know what are the five steps or traits you need your customers to be able to accomplish to say are you highly likely to renew like or are you extremely happy and getting deep usage so maybe you can even expand and buy more licenses you know more seats and create more recurring revenue for a lot of companies that are SaaS based right now so i helped this woman on my team to focus in this area or rather I empower her to own the space. And then I you know, I work in the background as a support system, as a leader. So we break up by kind of this lens of both what is the, the product, but what is the end goal we want to accomplish? And then I like to do, as referenced a little earlier, I call it your secondary function or your flex space. It's going to be just... What do we need to accomplish this quarter? Because we do quarterly planning cycles at my company and most of the places I've worked at previously. So this nice balance of your center of gravity, as I call it, the I lead customer growth as this example, and then your secondary area, this person happens to be focusing on how to get more reviews and customer case studies, but she might not work on that forever, you know, so to speak. So how do you create this space where a person can feel confident and competent in their area, but keep on growing? And the last, like, brief thing I'll say on this is something I say to my team all the time, and I try to really embody with them is if you are able to communicate to your manager and to the company, what are your goals? What are you interested in? What do you want to grow? The better we can empower you to be in those positions. So, my team has seen me do this with my hands so many times, but I always kind of say for anyone at home, I'll describe it I've got two circles up with my hands. You know, the left hand side are your personal goals and interests, the right hand side is the business needs. And we're going to create some Venn diagram. The more you can communicate with me, the better I can do to try to work with you to say how much can we overlap the business needs and your personal needs and developments, and that's where you start to bounce around special projects or maybe those secondary flex areas amongst the team themselves, because we all have things we want to grow into and things that excite us that you might find boring that I love or vice versa. So that's a little bit of how I built the team so far with our four product marketers and how I try to do right by them to keep them growing their careers while getting what we need for the business to be successful. Because at the end of the day, happy employees are happy customers and a happy business.
0: I love that. And you're from Seattle. So that's a very Costco approach, I think, <laughs> which hopefully is in the water there. And I like that you applied product marketing to your people, right? You did that uh, finding the value within the product of their jobs. <laughs> what do the two circles look like for you, if I may ask Scott?
1: So for me personally, on the, what do I want to grow? What do I want to do side of the house? One thing is already happening innately. I wanted to go to a company that was earlier stage and have the opportunity to be part of figuring out this scale phase, right? We're kind of, we have product market fit, but what do we do next? So that was something I was craving. You know, when I worked at Microsoft originally, I was so proud of what I was a part of and what I accomplished, but there's a level of momentum, both for the good and the bad, sometimes at large companies. And so I've kind of been going smaller 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 earlier and earlier in my company career choices uh, the next piece for me is really about I want to figure out and continue to invest in being a great leader I'm sure a lot of people out there they have a goal an interest a desire to becoming a people manager and one of the things my mentors have said earlier on was always do you want to be a manager because you just think that's what you're supposed to do or because you're interested in actually coaching and helping people and When I have done earlier in my career more of informal mentoring or managing one or two people at a time, maybe not with the same level of scope, I found so much satisfaction in empowering others. You've know, you heard me say a word like empower and enable a couple of times today because that's authentically what drives me is creating that light bulb opportunity and seeing someone else get the aha or coach them in a moment and see how they can add it on elsewhere and then ultimately get to a space where... They can delight the company, delight the team, and even delight themselves with what they're able to accomplish. So that's something I'm really excited about. And then the third piece of the puzzle for me is I really realized I wanted to learn a new industry. You know, you asked earlier of how did I get into security? And i kind of fell backwards into it. And then it was like, all of a sudden you squint at it and you realize this makes a lot of sense. And so that's a space I'm really deep on excited about right now is just learning the industry And I'll say the final, final piece for my singular side of the house is I just want to keep on becoming a smarter product marketer when it comes to the hard business, you know, understanding what are we really doing on the financials, the pipeline, the sales and CS. I think that's an area that I fell in love with at my prior company, Qualtrics, where I started to work daily with our sales strategy our CS leaders. And all of a sudden I was like, this is a huge area that marketing doesn't always Understand end to end what's happening. And I think that will hopefully over time help me be a better leader and eventually hopefully be a general manager of a business. And to code Warrior, you know, on the other side of that circle, I've been really fortunate, has given me a lot of those opportunities. You know, I really feel like my manager made a big bet on me when she chose to hire me for this opportunity here. And I want to do the best with what I've been given here and really have had the chance to build an entire team almost from scratch in just four months here with four product marketing managers, three of which I've hired in the past three months in particular, and -hmm. just really have the chance to keep on leaning into these different areas of the business as we are scaling out. So my circles right now are looking, you know, I'd never call it concentric because that wouldn't be telling the (laughs) truth, but there's a heavy overlap and I'm really excited about
0: that. That's so exciting. I am so happy for you, Scott. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: So let's get into our last little bit of questions before we get to... Asking our final game question to you, Scott, one more thing, the KPIs of product marketing, we're always very curious how marketing leaders basically track and report on results within their team. So what KPIs do you have? What are you tracking?
1: So the most important, I think, first step before you start saying, okay, you need to make sure that your goals are 14% better year over year, like, that doesn't work. got Let's start with some principles right now so that it's more applicable to other people that are hopefully listening in. Essentially, you want to really figure out what is the impact and outcome you're trying to drive as opposed to the activities that you're focusing on. So if you look at a very classic question people will ask themselves in the marketing world, it will be, okay, I just launched this big thing and I made a blog post and we made a whole new web page." And someone says, how'd it go, Gianna? How's the page?" we will say, Oh, we've got 5,000 people viewing it every day. Okay. Then what happened to them? Well, they read it. And isn't that good news?
0: And then but they died.
1: It's p- pretty good news. Oh, God. I, I certainly hope not. That'd be a pretty bad <laughs> webpage. It it's the, be, like, uh, the it's Ring the, horror movie.
0: Oh, yeah. It's the Ring version of a security <laughs> product site. Sorry. No. I'm sorry. I it's, no, no. it's late in the day. <laughs> and this podcast gets a little silly. Keep going, that's Scott. It.
1: No, no sweat. <laughs> The classic version of the activity that people fall into is saying, "Well, this website got 5,000 views." You go, "Well, what was the impact?" It's like, oh, "I'm not sure." And my impact what we mean is like, "Well, what was the call to action and was it achieved?" Maybe you were announcing a great new product and you wanted to drive trial signups. Right, 5,000 people looking at the trial webpage—that's that's something. That doesn't tell me much yet. But then if you say, "All right," and about you know 10% of those people. Then started the trial, and we've actually found that half of people that start the trial buy the product. Well, there you go. That's an outcome that you can drive towards. So, if you think about that in a reverse, well, what sort of things should be our goals typically as product marketers and marketers at large? It's going to be things like pipeline creation and then marketing qualified leads, right? We kind of create this funnel, and I'm sure most people at home are familiar, but good to remind ourselves of. The classic top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom, you want to start setting your goals and your outcomes based on those heavier conversion rates, right? So depending on whatever your very bottom, the tip is, let's say you want to get a million dollars in pipeline source from the marketing team that quarter, you've got to work backwards from that goal to start to say, well, what activities and what outcomes can I create that will build up to this system? And that's where you actually get the concept that I'm sure, you know, we've, referenced a little bit earlier, even of OKRs, objectives, key results. An objective, more or less, is the outcome you're trying to drive, and the key results are how do you know you are on track. So that's sort of philosophically what is happening, in my opinion, humbly for the goal setting. But... Then, when you kind of get down to recap into like brass tacks, we are typically looking at things like how many marketing qualified leads are you contributing to as a team? What is your pipeline creation? Maybe what's your influenced pipeline? So maybe you're doing a webinar or an in-person roundtable, and it's not new pipeline, but you've invited in you know the CISO from AT and T, and now they're further down the funnel to consider you. Like you can get credit for that. So there's a lot of these different metrics. And then if your company wants you to lean more into sales, as an example, you might start having metrics that are more around productive meetings that you've sourced. And those are things like really basically saying, hey, what's the quality of your lead? If you just say, I'm going to get marketing qualified leads, well, you can game the system, right? You can just say, oh, every time you download a white paper, that's a lead. But you got to ask yourself, is it really? No. So those productive meeting checks and things like that deeper in the sales funnel that can help you kind of call BS earlier in your funnel, or know you're doing great work. So we look at marketing qualified leads, sourced pipeline, influence pipeline, and you can potentially look even deeper into things like the sales side of the house, like a productive meeting, just to use one example there.
0: So but for product marketing, and you know, again, I'm not a product marketer, but I'm assuming... Like you were saying, there's some product marketing activities that are like enable sales, do outbound things. There's some internal stuff, which is like research and understanding the customer. How are you tying understanding the customer to we got X number of MQLs and product marketing contributed to that instead of, for example, demand gen saying, hey, it was because we ran LinkedIn advertisements. Do you know what I mean?
1: I do. The first thing I would say that is I reject the premise. We do not accomplish anything alone. You should be able to feel hopefully comfortable in your company's culture to say, yeah, well, we ran those LinkedIn ads, but based on what strategy? Well, it was because we had this new persona research as an example to say, focus on the developers separately from the AppSec managers, right? And so hopefully you work at a company or you're able to be part of a culture that says, we can both kind of claim this in collaboration, but what part did you lead a little more or quote unquote own. So I say ingest and in love, I will reframe and reject the first part of that question for you there. The other part goes back to, if you have too many metrics, like too many goals for your team and your company, you kind of fall into that classic trap that marketers have heard before of, if everyone's your customer, is it no one your customer? And it's not exactly one-to-one, but that's how goals can feel sometimes. If your team is saying, oh my God, you know, Scott, Gianna, like, why are you giving me 15 things I have to track? They might just shut down or maybe they won't track, quote, the right ones because not everything is is held equal. So I actually very much focus on literally what we said earlier, marketing qualified leads, source pipeline, et cetera, as our top line goals. And I don't really worry myself with saying, did the person on the growth marketing team officially hit send on the button? or did we make the messaging framework and I got you there? Because you need to work together to be successful ultimately. So if you keep just two or three big bets, big goals up top, then you can start doing the really hard prioritization task of saying, well, I've got five ideas, what will these contribute to? It's okay to say sometimes the new persona work, for example, that might not create a pipeline today, but what is it gonna let me do? oh, it'll let me launch a new product in the next quarter in a more sophisticated way. So you can continue it past one quarter, even if you plan quarterly. So that would be another piece of advice I would give is to say, be okay with knowing when will it hit your top line goals and just acknowledge this is a longer pull or a longer play rather here compared to a, we've got Q4 coming up. We've got to make sure we make up for some gap we had in Q2 and Q3. Everything has to have a perfect ladder up. So. You want to kind of balance out those goals with the reality of timelines to impact.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Scott, for giving us a dose of reality there. And (laughs) let's, Maria, I think it's time for us to get into our last question. Am I right? Right. Okay, Scott, for the most fun part of this episode today, we usually love to ask this question of our guests to figure out what their most passionate things are in life if they weren't doing cybersecurity marketing today. So Scott, if you weren't working in cybersecurity marketing today, what would you be doing?
1: I think I'd probably go to product management. If I stayed in the tech world and I wasn't a marketer, I would make the switch to that side of the house, (laughs) so the other half lives. I love getting to focus on what's being built, what problems are we trying to solve, and how can we surprise and delight people. And on the product marketing side of the house, We have influence, we have partnership, but when it comes down to it, you don't really make that final choice or it's not really your expectation to say, I wanna do this analysis, I wanna reprioritize, I wanna get in there with the UX team and the engineering team deeply. So I've always found that interesting. At different phases of my career, I've leaned more or less into it. So if I wasn't a marketer, I would definitely be focused on product management, I'd say, in the tech space.
0: You wanna make the roadmap.
1: Yeah, sometimes I do, but don't tell my colleagues.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, Scott, for being on the podcast. Where can people find you?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just uh, listen to Scott Shapiro with the code warrior, or join me over on Twitter at SHAPScott S-H-A-P-S-C-O-T-T for anything from tech to sports to politics in the US here.
0: What does Shep mean?
1: Chap, it's my last name for Shapiro.
0: Oh, <laughs> okay. oh, duh. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening <laughs> to Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. If you want to join the Cybersecurity Marketing Society, like I said earlier in the episode, make sure you join us at cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. If you want to be on the show, and we'd love to have you, please send us a note at podcasts with an S at hackervalley.com. And We'll see you next time on Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. See you next Wednesday.
1: Thanks for having me. This was a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Scott.
1: Until next time.